You're listening to Messy Jesus Business. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, a Franciscan sister of perpetual adoration, and a writer, jail minister, and spiritual director living in Chicago. Welcome to The Mess. Hi, you're listening to episode one of Messy Jesus Business, which is actually a creative experiment during the coronavirus pandemic. Since this is the start, I'll begin by giving you a little background. I've been blogging at MessyJesusBusiness.com since 2010. Along with a great team of guest bloggers who I call the Rabble Rousers, I've been offering reflections, poetry, and prayers related to the messiness of living the gospel. I've been a Christian all my life and a Franciscan sister since I was in my early 20s. Yet, it wasn't until I began to teach high school that I began that I started to understand that being a disciple of Jesus Christ would not be a neat or tidy or warm and fuzzy experience. Although I longed for order and clarity, getting closer to Jesus led me right into the messiness and struggle of loving God, neighbors, and myself. Being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. It's not easy, or if it were, everyone would be doing it. Messy Jesus Business, the blog, and now the podcast, explores the mess. Loving Jesus and following him means embracing the paradox, love, and joy, and pain of giving oneself to others, just as Jesus demonstrated to us through his death on the cross. Gospel living, putting love of Jesus into action, isn't just about love. I mean, just about Jesus. It's not just about loving Jesus alone. Living the gospel of Jesus Christ in our modern world involves advocacy for peace and justice while the systems are complex and often dysfunctional, entering into the broken and marginalized parts of society, um, sometimes intentionally uh, being totally there, totally present to to the people and to the planet who are hurting because of pollution, division, decay, and neglect. Because we love, we step outside of our comfort zones. Because we love, we advocate for social justice, do acts of service, live simply, and practice contemplation. We trust that God works through our small acts and gradually more and more come to know the peace and justice established by Jesus Christ. As we build a better world through God's help, we come to see the face of Christ alive in the messy and broken corners of our world and experience intimacy with Christ. It's an awesome, messy life, and we welcome you into the mess with us on the blog, MessyJesusBusiness.com, and now in this podcast. As I said, this episode of Messy Jesus Business was recorded during the coronavirus pandemic in April of 2020. To tell you the truth, the first event canceled on my calendar once the shelter-in-place order began in Illinois was a visit to my friends Jessica Mesman and Cassidy Hall, two writers uh, and podcasters who live in Indiana. They were going to teach me how to podcast, as as I had been thinking about starting this for quite some time. Instead of learning from Jessica and Cassidy in person, however, I toggled together some self-instruction with the materials they sent my way 
and the video tutorials that they suggested. I don't yet have proper equipment or great skills, so please forgive the poor sound quality on this first episode. Something that has given me great joy during during this pandemic is a lovely little podcast made by a five-year-old named Albie Gill, who lives here in Chicago. The podcast is called Keep Away Corona. I highly recommend it. It's so fun. Uh, Honestly, listening to Albie's podcast inspired and challenged me to start trying to just experiment and allow myself the freedom to learn how to do this thing as I go along. So thanks to Albie and thanks to every all of you for bearing with me, for listening, for coming along into the messy journey. Come to think of it, it's totally appropriate for me to try out a new thing during the pandemic because I do believe that this strange pause is a chance for all of us to reset and reconstruct ourselves. Last week on April 16th, I published an essay in the Chicago Sun-Times called Letting the Pandemic Change Us for the Better about this very topic. Mid-March, I asked my Twitter followers, what new thing are you doing now in quarantine that you hope to keep doing after this madness ends? I summarized the responses I received in the essay. One thing I learned is that many of us are choosing to be more creative. As individuals, we can all make choices about how we steward this time. And then as members of communities, as part of uh, our society, we can also imagine how we want to reconstruct many of the systems that structure and control our lives as well. This pandemic has upset so many systems, from agriculture to distribution, the economy, medicine, even the arts. And now is a time to reimagine how we will recreate the world. Now, on to our first guest. Our guest today is Sister Sarah Hennessy, another member of my religious community, the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, and one of my closest friends. A native of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Sister Sarah moved to La Crosse, Wisconsin in 2002 to become a Franciscan sister, an FSPA, as we say for short, after a long journey of discernment. She was raised a Quaker and her diverse experiences before making her religious vows include teaching at a Navajo high school, translating Spanish at a free medical clinic, serving as a health educator in farm labor camps, tending a daylily farm, and leading junior high inner city immersion experiences. Sister Sarah has served as the Perpetual Adoration Coordinator at St. Rose Convent and as a parish minister. Now she serves as a spiritual director at Franciscan Spirituality Center, where she companions people to find the holy in the ordinary. Sarah holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Religious Studies, and a Master of Arts degree in Theology from St. Thomas University in St. Paul, Minnesota. We spoke through Zoom. She was tucked away in her cozy bedroom near our mother house in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I was in a closet in my bedroom here in Chicago. Our conversation includes her vocation story, the meaning of being called, the mystery of the Eucharist, and the charism of our community which we call FSPA for short. Side note, the word charism is a Catholic word that we use a lot in religious life. It means the particular gift or grace that God has given to the community. Enjoy. Okay, great. We're recording now. Uh, You know, I just counted up our 
on the calendar a little bit ago and I realized it's been, it, this is day 46 for me of sheltering in place. It's probably about the same for you. I may have started a little earlier because I was sick. So my first day was like the 8th of March. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Today's April 23rd. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a long time. And, you know, and I was thinking if my, if life had continued as normal, I would have probably come to visit you in La Crosse like two times by now. I know. I think I was supposed to come twice in March and then I was, I'm scheduled to, was scheduled to come this coming weekend. And yeah. yeah. And, and now instead it's just like, we don't even know. I don't even know when the next time I'll be in the same room as you. I know. It makes me so sad. Oh, so um, I have a few questions I want to ask you. And this is my practice uh, podcast, the first episode of Messy Jesus Business. All right. And um, obviously, you know this, but in case anyone actually listens to the show, I'm just going to say <laughs> that we are both in the same community. We're both Franciscan sisters of perpetual adoration. So we've known each other a long time. Uh, when I first visited the community in 2003, you were a novice and you came home from the novitiate and we uh, went out for coffee and you were just such so lovely, such a warm introduction to the community for me and was, was really helpful for me to know you through my discernment. And then I entered in 2006, but I attended your first vows in December 2005, right before I came, which was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I entered in 2002, so I was only in the community a year before I got to know you. Oh, so it's like, I've always been part of your community life. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. my first year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. So glad we're sisters. Yeah. So how did you end up coming to our community to, as our nickname, FSPA? How did you end up coming to FSPA? Yeah, there's a couple pieces to that story. So I'm not sure which, which story you're interested in. Um, I met... FSPA sisters when I was in college and I was studying um, abroad in Guadalajara, Mexico for uh, six months. And as part of that, my professor knew an FSPA sister. And so he built in a week long gate experience, which is global awareness through education or is it through experience? I'm I never sure. remember which it is. <laughs> <laughs> Global awareness through experience, I think it is. Okay. And um, we both get it mixed up all these years. And so, so I met sisters Cecilia Corcoran and sister Marie Desjardins. And it was a really eye-opening week. Um, the week was focused on kind of being in a developing country and learning about our connections to the United States and talking to people and hearing their perspectives. And in the process, I talked to these two women and 
was really curious about their life. And at the time, I was not Catholic. I was Quaker. Um, and at the time, I was still in college. So I was still actively dating and not really thinking about religious life was the farthest thing. <laughs> I mean, farthest thing from my brain. Yeah. And, and Sister uh, Ceci, she said to me as we were walking one night, do you think God might have a call on your life? And I don't know why she said that. And I have, n I had no idea what it meant. I didn't know what it meant at all. But when she said it, I felt heat in my chest. And when I went to sleep that night, there was like heat in my chest. Like there was a fire in my heart. Wow. And, and I was like, what is that about? And so when the week was over, I wrote her a letter, like a longhand letter. And I asked all these questions. I asked, what is it like to be a sister? And what about not having a family? And what do you do all day? And by the way, what is the Eucharist? Because I'm not Catholic and I have no <laughs> idea what that means. Uh -huh. And she patiently wrote back to me and answered all my questions in only the way that she can do. And that was the beginning of a seven-year discernment process for me. And when you say discernment, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so a discernment process is listening um, to your own heart, listening to others, trying to listen to God, trying to figure out what is the best decision to make. Um, and a very supported process of choosing and listening. Mm. So that question she asked you out on the walk of like, does God have a call on your life? Yeah. What's your answer to that question today? Right. Um, you know, I, I now realize that God has a call on everybody's life. Mm. And it's just figuring out what does that look like? There's not like some people that are the called and some people that are not the called. Mm -hmm. It's just how am I going to live the call that I have? Mm. Um, when I was discerning and talking to her, what was really important to me in the process was it didn't seem fair to me that God like would have this idea for my life and not tell me what it was and I just had to figure it out oh, you, know, yeah. you know like that didn't seem fair and it also didn't seem fair like there was only one way to go like mm -hmm. like did God want me to be a sister then I had to choose to be a sister like that didn't seem fair either and so when I was bringing up those questions one of the things Ceci said to me was she said, you cannot say yes to being a sister to religious life unless you can say no to it. Huh. And that was what I needed to hear. Okay. It was very helpful to me. And what she meant by that was that unless you can say, 
no, I don't need this. I'm going to live my call in another way. Then you're, it's, it's not a choice, you know, that you get, that God wants my no as much as my yes, hmm. you know, that I get to freely choose how am I going to live this call? And so I think there are ways of life that make us more fully ourselves, make us more fully alive more than other ways. But I also think there's a variety of ways that could make me fully alive. I don't yeah. think that there's just one way that's going to make me fully alive. You know, when you frame it that way, um, it really is, it's like you're, it's, you're making a distinction between a call and a command, right? It's right. not like God's giving you orders or instructions. Right. Or like, Right. go Sarah this is this is what I want you to do but it's real yeah. it's almost like more of a uh is the call then more of an invitation or like yeah like this is yeah. one thing that you could do that would work really well for you right right the way I made you the way I, the way I made you and for me, I, I almost, you know, the, the idea of being wooed by Jesus, by Christ, you know, the idea of like being desired and invited in, that imagery doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for me. You know, that idea that, that God is like, hey, 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 I got something good for you. you know? <laughs> right. And, and um, but I also think, some people sometimes we talk about call particularly to religious life as if it's the only way as if it's the best way as if you know this is what god wants you to do with it and if you don't do it you're in trouble mm. and and i just don't think that that's helpful and um a couple of years ago, I went on a 30-day directed retreat, which was really lovely. It was 30 days of silence and really deepening my experience with Christ. And there was a young man on the retreat who was discerning whether to become a Jesuit priest or not. And he was in the process. And during the retreat, we finished. We had 30 days of not talking. And then on the last day, we got to talk. And he said, I had an incredible experience of Jesus. Like I had this experience and I, I never had this experience before. And I really feel that God is alive for me for the first time. And then the next thing that I expected him to say is, so I'm going to be a Jesuit priest. But instead, the next thing he said is, so now I'm going to leave the order because I've realized I don't need a priest. To, I don't need to be a priest to have an experience of Jesus. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And he says, being a priest is not what Jesus is calling me to, but Jesus is calling me to have a relationship with him. Hmm. And yeah. so, and so that's what I think everybody is called to a relationship with God. And then how that lives out, there's not one answer. Mm. And we get to choose. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is all about wooing us, though. I like that image of, you know, wooing us and inviting us. And But everybody, no matter how they're living their life, gets to be in relationship with Jesus. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to come back to the Eucharist because you mentioned that and I, and that's yeah. uh, an important thing to talk about. But before, before we jump there, um, I'm wondering what your relationship with Jesus looks like now in like your everyday life. Um, you know, and in particular, I'm interested in how, like, is it a messy thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> is, it, is it, is it, is it like now that you're a sister, is your life pretty, uh, pretty good, tidy, organized? <laughs> like, do you, is there an order to it or is it, is it chaotic? Is there struggle? And what's your life like? Now? Yeah. What's my life like? Um, yeah particularly during this quarantine, I think with everybody, there's ups and downs. I haven't talked to a single person who's not having some ups and downs. Some days are better than other days. And that's definitely true with me. And I definitely have to reach out for support, for people, for using my tools. So um, I live with um, depression and anxiety, so kind of keeping those um in balance in my life um is something that takes daily work um but the relationship with jesus um the thing that instead of being like messy or neat what comes to me is sometimes my relationship with jesus is very clear and sometimes it's very vague um, and I go through different periods of that. Sometimes it's like I'm in a direct conversation with Jesus. I can see him. I can um, know uh, what he's saying to me. Um, scripture comes alive. Conversations come alive. Um, and other times it's just not there. I don't have an image of Jesus. I don't have a, I'm not quite sure what Jesus is saying. I'm not quite sure uh, what's going on. And, um, and those periods aren't any less meaningful or deep or spiritual. They just, they're just um, not as clear, you know, they're more, more vague and um and they kind of go in and out um those periods they they cycle for me for sure mm. so no matter which uh phase or cycle you know part of the cycle you're in um how how do you remain faithful to loving god yourself and others yeah well we try the best we can, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, I think sometimes, you know, they, they talk about sin being miss the mark and sometimes we miss the mark. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're not as faithful to loving God and others and loving ourselves, um, as, as we can. Um, one, one of the things, um, that I've, learned in my work in the spirituality center um oh franciscan spirituality center in La franciscan spirituality center in lacrosse 
Right. Um, we've done some of the work with uh, Brene Brown and uh -huh. some of her work on shame and vulnerability. And one of the things she talks about is having generous assumptions. Mm. And um, she talks about what a difference it makes when you believe that everybody is doing the best that they can. And when you don't believe that people are doing the best of your that they can, you kind of lose your mind. Yeah, you, know, right. you get angry, you you are harder on yourself, you you know, all this kind of stuff happens. Yeah. And um, but when when I say um and one, I'll, I'll mention a concrete practice too that helps me with this, um, is there's a practice called the examine. And it's a practice that comes from um, Ignatian spirituality, which has to do with the Jesuits. And it's a practice at the end of the day where you just kind of look at your day and you give thanks for it. And then you say, where was God in my day? And where was God kind of where in good ways? And then where did I kind of miss the mark? And then when I think of the ways that I missed the mark, I imagine God forgiving me. And I don't finish the prayer until I can physically feel that feeling of forgiveness, you know? And so I wait until I feel god's forgiveness in my heart wow so i would imagine sometimes you have to be very patient in prayer yeah sometimes i fall asleep honestly <laughs> yeah. so because it's the end of the day yeah but the goal is what i try to do is and and if i if i think of how i've missed the mark but then i just think of how god loves me usually i feel a physical feeling mm. yeah that's lovely yeah yeah. yeah. So, and you're a spiritual director um, at the Spirituality Center. So that's one of the ways you're loving other people. That's the way, one of the ways you're serving. And then I think of your, your um, life and community. I know you live with two of our, our dear sisters and, and you are sharing meals and prayer with them. And then, yeah. um, you know, living out our charism. So, so those are ways that you're loving loving other people and loving God too. So there's sort of yeah. like these things that are, you know, locked into your calendar, the structure of your life, like things are just, you're just naturally loving other people too. Or there's opportunities for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're at least making yourself available to serve. That's <laughs> right. right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So if I would, before you became a spiritual director at the Franciscan Spirituality Center, you were the perpetual adoration coordinator for our congregation. Yeah. And um, you did a lot of great things of, of promoting our charism, promoting the practice of adoration, and also sharing contemporary understandings of Eucharistic theology and helping people understand what the Eucharist means in the modern world. Mm. So I'm wondering, in light of all that, um, two things. Uh, what, the first is, what, what is, what is the Eucharist? And then like, what, 
what is uh, most misunderstood or like uh, should we know about the universe that we don't know in our world today? Right. Um, well, first of all, Eucharist is a word that has multiple meanings. So it refers to multiple things. Um, and that's kind of a good thing because it's a complex reality. It's, it's a mystery. Um, but when we, in the Catholic tradition, when we talk about Eucharist, we're talking about the service of mass, um, the service that we have where we bless the bread and the and the wine. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then we're also talking particularly about that bread and wine, which for us become the body and blood of Christ. Um, and so we're talking about uh, the whole gathering of the people and of the priest and of the, the moment. And um, it's a beautiful thing because it happens in the present but it points to the future and it points to the past in a way that makes both of those real in the um, present. Mm -hmm. So the future and the past are real and touchable and present in the present. And also the division between heaven and earth gets taken away in Eucharist. Um, we believe that Jesus, who is in heaven, becomes present in the Eucharist. So it's like heaven and earth are also both present. So it's this kind of mystery that blows apart the divisions that we usually experience of time and space. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one way. But in a simple way, it's... It's God showing us how much God loves us. Mm. Um, when I was trying to understand Eucharist, when I was just becoming Catholic, a priest explained to me, he said, when a couple has loved each other for a long time, they have an anniversary dinner and they put on their favorite music and they light a candle and they have delicious food and they show each other how much they love each other. And that's what this experience with God is. We light the candles, we have some food, we yeah. sing some songs, and we show each other how much we love each other. God says, look at how much I love you. And we say, look at how much we remember. It's this remembrance. And even wherever you are in that relationship, if you're having a hard time, if you're struggling, you kind of remember the preciousness of your love with mm. each other that's um, beautiful. yeah so oh so, yeah okay keep going <laughs> yeah so I that's really a little know. bit that's a little bit of what how i understand eucharist um and and that sense of presence and um and i think maybe one of the biggest um misunderstandings is when we reduce um, Eucharist to an object instead of to a relationship and an experience, um, that it really is an experience with God and that it's a relationship and it, it's not 
just a holy thing. Mm. It's a holy process and a holy experience and a holy moment. Like I said before, that busts apart space and time. Mm. Um, and it's this way that God is, is present to us. Mm. Um, and, and that, that verb like is becomes like huge like this is my body woo you know it just <laughs> blows it blows it apart yeah. yeah yeah huh you know that's interesting in light of the fact that okay so this morning i got an email uh it was kind of you know in a conversation chain and this person said to me like i think it's so amazing that you love Eucharistic adoration and you love serving the homeless and oh. we're administering in jails. Like as if these two, these things do not go together. And right. my response was like, what is up with us always like being so disjointed in the way we understand yeah. our faith and the way you're packaging what Eucharist is, it's, it's um, sort of mirroring back I mean, it's very affirming for me and, and my understanding of the fact that the way I live out my faith is a combination of service, advocacy for social justice, living in community, a life of prayer and contemplation. And part of the life of prayer and contemplation is this devotion that we have to the Eucharist. It's like, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And, you know, Brian McNeil, he said something along the lines that he was talking about Mother Teresa and, and her sisters who have adoration, Eucharistic adoration every morning, and then they go out and serve the poor. And he says, the reason they can see the face of Jesus in the poor is because they can see the face of Jesus in a piece of bread. Mm, yeah. You know? So being able to see Jesus in the Eucharist helps us you know, and I also think in adoration, we feel our emptiness. And when Christ becomes the center of our life, instead of us being our center, we are naturally drawn to the fringes, which is something that Pope Francis says. He says in adoration, I stop being the center. And when I stop being the center, I'm drawn to the fringes of society. Yeah. So it's would like you a, say that's what the, like our community's charism is or is there more to it from your No, I think that's a really good way to to sum it up. And the word that we use often is loving presence. Yeah. Um which I think is a good way of saying um you know Jesus is present in the Eucharist and and in each other and in the face of um the one who needs us the most, um, all of that. Is, would you say that, like, when you're listening to one of your directees yeah. and, and journeying and accompanying with them, you know, in their spiritual life and exploration, would you, is that parallel or is it like the same as, as adoration in the, in our adoration chapel? Yeah, I think it's, it's all of a piece, you know, and sometimes you feel it really clearly. Sometimes you feel like, whoa, this is really like Jesus is here. And sometimes you don't feel it, but it doesn't make it any less true. It's still kind of still happening. 
And just another piece to that, when I said Eucharist refers to many things, the other thing is the term body of Christ mm-hmm. and how body of Christ refers to the bread that becomes the presence of Jesus. And it also refers to the people of God. And, and so uh, St. Augustine says this beautiful thing when you're receiving Eucharist, he says, receive what you are. So you are the body of Christ and you're receiving the body of Christ. You know, that's why when I, maybe a Eucharist minister at mass doesn't know how to properly be a Eucharistic minister. And they'll say like, you know, they'll give you the host and they'll say like, Sarah, the body of Christ or the body of Christ. Right. That's the one that drives me the world. You can't like the, like, what is this an announcement? Like, (laughs) but if you're just saying body of Christ, then it's, it's means multiple things. It means this is the body of Christ that you're receiving. And it's also like a greeting, like, yeah, body of Christ. How you doing there? Right. Body of Christ receives the body of Christ. Yeah. So when, so when you say body of Christ, then you're just, you're being greeted. It's true. You're being greeted and you're receiving it at the same time. It's like double adoration. It is. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, This has been really fun. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share about how living the gospel is messy for you or... (laughs) what it's like to be uh in the same community as me and no, I'm just kidding <laughs> that's messy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no really I don't if any other comments yeah no I think that's good mm, thanks so yeah. much for being my first guest yeah and uh, i have no idea how i'm gonna share this with the world but i will try to figure it out and um so grateful love you so much yeah thank you julia take care talk to you later all right adios bye bye I invite you to join me in this contemplative moment. In light of the conversation with Sister Sarah and uh, our Eucharistic charism in our congregation, our Franc- the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, I'd like to offer you a prayer slash poem. I think it's more of a poem from one of our beloved sisters um, named Sister Helen Koopman. May she rest in peace. This is called In the Sacramental Presence. In the daily Eucharist, we become the body of Christ. We leave the daily Eucharist to be in communion with all human persons, with all God's creation, to link with each other, to be the body of Christ. Perpetual adoration is a continuation of the communion of the Eucharist.
no one of us prays alone. There are always at least two of us. Always we honor God in the sacramental presence, not only for ourselves, but for our community, for all those for whom and with whom we minister, for those who minister to us, for the world community. In the presence of the Eucharistic Christ, we are fed over and over again. We are sent over and over again. In perpetual adoration, we honor, we beg, we thank, we receive, we minister, we fail, we forgive, we are forgiven. We are joined in the loving presence of God. Perpetual adoration is a challenge to us to live as we pray, to live in co complete acceptance as Jesus does in the sacramental presence, to work gently yet strongly against the violence of worldly power, to live in simplicity in order to feed the world, to glory in the splendor of our chapel, but go out to relieve the degradation of the poor, to live in trust and surrender, to work to attain justice by recognizing injustice, to love others as God loves. And now, a guided meditation. you to enter into your heart and take a few slow deep breaths close your eyes and remember that you as always are in the loving presence of God you are a child of God you are called to share God's love with the world through your choices, through your actions, through your being, through the person that you are made to be. By being yourself, to totally and fully yourself, as Thomas Merton says, a saint it means to be totally myself. So dear friends, I invite you to ponder how you can be totally yourself and give glory to God through your breath, through your being, through your loving, through your giving, your serving, your advocacy, for a world full of the peace and justice that comes from Jesus Christ. Through all your service, and compassion, the kindness that you offer to others, for your entering into the mess. Peace be with you. And
That's episode one of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. Messy Jesus Business is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Sister Julia Walsh. Consultation provided by Jessica Mesman and Cassidy Hall. The messy background noises you heard in today's episode were recorded throughout the city of Chicago, including at a spread mass at the Spread Training Center on Low Avenue. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, could you please do three things? Share with your friends, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and leave us a review. Thanks! Messy Jesus Business is a production of the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in La Crosse, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good. Help me stand for what's right. Help me walk.